It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin. Take two. Uh, <laughs> this is we we actually just started recording one and then had some technical difficulties. So hopefully uh, we go through clean on this one. Um, so the second intro to this, it, it feels weird to ask you again. But Scott, we had football that we just watched this weekend. Wasn't it awesome? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't stay composed because we already went over all this. It is funny having the same, <laughs> we had the same conversation twice, um, but it's something that I guess we have to talk about. So we're just going to have the same conversation twice. And uh, we had Northwestern Nebraska yesterday, week zero kicked off. It kicked off really well. And uh, yeah, that Northwestern Nebraska game was uh, was a riot. We both picked. Northwestern, I'm fairly confident. So we we got to win. <laughs> we're off to a great start. I'm keeping this thing rolling. We're just we're just going to keep going. So we got we got to get our composure back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Scott has left. Scott has left the stream. Um, <laughs> so I'm alone. I've had uh, I've had a little glass of bourbon here. I know Scott had a margarita right before we kicked this thing off, so you're gonna have to bear with us, guys. Um, week zero college football. We had it. We watched it. It was fun, right? I'm having way more fun. <laughs> 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 we're keeping this live. I'm just we're keeping this in. I'm I'm not starting this thing again. So we had we had week zero. We had Nebraska Northwestern. Northwestern obviously won. Nebraska shot themselves in the foot again. I don't know how Scott Frost still has a job. Um, he'll probably do this another five or six times before uh, before this year is up. So if you weren't watching yesterday if if you weren't able to get the uh you know the quote unquote week zero hall pass of convincing your significant other that this is uh important enough football that you had to watch and you had to miss it nebraska and scott frost will implode six to seven more times this season i promise you you didn't miss out on all the fun 
Uh, but it was a fun football game. Offense, special teams blunders. It was uh, it was about everything you could ask for. Free beer, which again we just talked about, but uh, we can mention again if we want. Uh, but Scott, <laughs> I think you got your composure back here. Uh, were you able to catch some football yesterday? What did you watch? Did you enjoy it? Okay, let's see if I can get through this. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, great football. Great game of football. Let's see what I already talked about last time. Um, Tyler Holinsky looked like a good enough quarterback in the Big Ten. The, the, I guess biggest lasting takeaway I had from watching that game, I'm talking about Nebraska-Northwestern, if that's not clear, um, was – how hard it is to win football games in the big 10. Um, we were talking about this a little bit in that Nebraska and Northwestern last year were like the worst teams in the West and among the worst in the conference. And I left that game feeling like I didn't really want to play either of them, but it doesn't get any easier in the big 10. I mean, you could make an argument. The bottom of the big 10 East is a little worse with like Maryland or Indiana, depending on, how their seasons pan out, but by and large, like that's the, that's generally the worst teams you're going to see in the conference. And I didn't want to play either of them. Um, so it, it's, it's great to watch good football. It's great to see what those two have and we'll see how their seasons pan out. Um, I was sitting there the whole fourth quarter thinking like, this is setting up to be just the perfect Scott Frost letdown again. Like I'm a Lions fan, I I can see these things before they get there, before they come to fruition. We have trained eyes with these kinds of things. I'm sitting here and I'm like, this is going to be like like a half touchdown game, and Nebraska is going to have to try to win it. And I I didn't, I wasn't at that point ready to say like they're going to blow it. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is a new Nebraska team. You know, maybe it is going to turn out different. And like exactly how you'd script it, right? They get like the first first down to get kind of a little bit of confidence. Like, okay, maybe this thing's going to happen. The fans get their hopes up. And then just like stabbed in the back, interception out of nowhere. on Like not that bad of a throw, but just bad enough to turn into an interception. You know, I mean, it was like he had those two interceptions and they were both Casey Thompson, that is, they were both like two feet, like not much, just like two feet behind the receiver. And it caused deflections, caused interceptions. And uh, that's all it takes in the Big Ten to lose a game. And you see it again from Nebraska. It's just like when push comes to shove, man, they just don't find the inches. You, know, you said as you said it perfectly as like as Lions fans, we are well trained to see what's about to happen right before it happens and yeah you definitely were were watching that spiral out of control um yeah the same thing though i i came away with that really starting to worry more than i would have liked about rutgers and indiana and you know like these teams that the whole offseason you look at the roster and you look at you're like these teams suck you know and you chalk them up as wins. And Northwestern was supposed to be one of those teams. People were projecting them for two, three, four wins. Bottom of the Big Ten. This team sucks. They lost Nebraska by like 40 last year. And they come out. They look really good. The offense looks good. The special teams are good. And all of a sudden, I'm like, man, these bad Big Ten teams aren't as bad as we think they are. I mean, They're still Big Ten teams. So, you, yeah, you think about... 
playing Rutgers and you're like, that might be a game in the fourth quarter that you're clenching the butt cheeks a little bit. Like I, it just kind of came away a little uneasy, but it was week zero. It was fun. Uh, that was the only game that I really was locked into. Um, I was kind of flipping around for a little while. I watched some North Carolina. I watched, um, a little bit of Vandy Hawaii on the big Island. Uh, I, I caught a glimpse of, I mostly just saw it on via Twitter, but I caught a glimpse of Ricky white, the most interesting, uh, five career football games of anybody he had was it eight catches 180 yards and two touchdowns in his unlv debut um it was uh not too many uh prominent football games but it was nice to have football on the tv uh for me at least the weather's starting to cool down a little bit uh and i'm just very much looking forward to getting Michigan State football on my TV, getting some leaves changing colors, and uh, and and getting fall really kicked off here. Well, it's game week, Kevin. It kind of struck me this game morning week. that we are inside seven days. So from here until early December will be a game a week. Other than the bye week, we'll be in the, in the groove of things. Um, and really exciting season panning out, I think, if my predictions are correct. Um, yeah, it's... I, I mean, we are uh, today. We're recording. It's Drew Stanton, five days away from Michigan State football, and we we started thinking about today. Like we got to record a, a a game preview. It's 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 so much fun. Like yeah. we're here. It's it's so exciting. We are, we are going to record a game preview. So the schedule is going to be changing. <laughs> uh, it'll be back to kind of how we were last year. So we're going to have. Uh, Monday recaps for the game. We're going to have Thursday previews for whatever game is coming. And then we'll have Friday picks and a special wrinkle to the picks podcast this year. Last year, we it was basically just me and Scott, right? We were going back and forth. We were making our picks for the we we created the slate every week and then we made our picks and we tried to do some Twitter polls and we tried to mess around with a a couple different things and it never really clicked. It never really worked, but this year we found uh, a good platform. So you guys can, as you're listening, every Friday episode, we have our, our national slate. We had uh, triple digit people listening every week along with us. Well, this year you can make your picks for the same games that we are picking against the spread and actually play for something. We're going to have uh We'll come up with a prize, I think, before we start, just to have something there. But it's going to be some kind of MSU swag. Um, you know, maybe we'll pick which specific um, hoodie or or little care package or whatever we come up with. Uh, but there will be some MSU swag on the line for the winner. So it's called Run Your Pool. Uh, I've tweeted out the link a couple times. I'll tweet it out a couple more times. If you're in the Facebook group, I'll post it there as well. Uh, but it's it's free to sign up. You make your picks with us all season long. And uh, if you come out on top, you'll get some free MSU swag. So it's it's pretty simple. You can find the links. Um, I'll post it in the episode notes as well. So if you're listening, we'll try to make this as easy as possible to sign up because I know it's a new kind of platform. 
they have an app you can download. You can use it on your desktop, um, just, you know, website, whatever is easier for you. But they do have everything easy on uh, on your phone, tablet, computer, whatever. I know it's a new platform that probably a lot of people haven't used, but it's very, very simple and free to sign up. So we are trying to promote that and uh, have some fun with that all season. And so with that out of the way, uh, our friends at DraftKings, if you're looking to put some action on these uh, point spreads, they are the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And to celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet $5 on any football game. Get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven, you win. So if you bet on an NFL team of your choice and your team that you choose leads by seven points at any point in the game, you get paid out instantly. Even if they lose that lead, even if Scott Frost is the coach and they blow the game, you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for the details. So we're going to have some fun today. We've got some... Uh, some questions to pose to one another. We wanted to, to kind of uh, continue the prediction game uh, as we've gone along. We've already kind of made our predictions for the wins and losses, but we're like, you know, we haven't really gotten into uh, as many statistical predictions for certain players or, or team, you know, predictions or um, just kind of some of the other stuff that you, you like to predict of this guy's going to have a breakout season. He's going to have a thousand yards defense is going to step up whatever the case may be so we're going to have some fun with that we're going to kind of pose some questions to each other um get some some quote unquote hot takes potentially depending on on where this goes so i have some things that i'm going to throw over to scott that he hasn't seen scott has some things he's going to throw over my way that i haven't seen and uh we'll see where this goes so scott you want to you want to kick us off here this was a little bit of your love child today's episode yeah, we were going to do just general predictions, but then we figured we'd uh, throw it over to the other one to get some thoughts first. So, Kevin, my first um, prediction has to do with who's going to lead the team in tackles. Ooh. So I'm curious. We've got all kinds of new storylines flowing through the defense, some position changes, maybe some formation changes if the two of us are correct. So, Kevin, who leads MSU in tackles this season? That's... um. It's good. I've I've always got sports reference in front of me. That's like a a necessary podcaster's tab. So uh, last year, I know it was Cal Halliday and Xavier Henderson tied with ninety six tackles, um, and I think those are very likely candidates to do it again. But I'm I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go with a guy who I think by the end of this year will cement himself as a top two three player on this defense and is is going to be such a a necessary part that i think it's going to be very rarely that he leaves the field and i think his play style suits really well for it he had 87 tackles last year 
in more of a, a specialized role that didn't allow him to roam as free. I'm going Darius Snow. I think Darius Snow might push triple-digit tackles this year. All right, maybe my first prediction wasn't as uh, unpredictable as I thought. I had Darius Snow <laughs> as well. I think he he already tied uh, Xavier Henderson last season for the most solo tackles on the team was 61, um, and he was only nine behind Henderson and Halliday at 96. He had 87 uh, in total tackles. So I think moving down a linebacker, getting a little closer to the ball in the run game leads to a few more tackles this season, and uh, and he takes that crown. Will he finish there, with more than 100 total tackles this year? I think it'll be really close. Like I, I would, I. Mm. Mind I'll, you, hopefully I'll, the defense won't have as many tackles because yeah, right. he'll be getting off the field. Right. I'll go under, but it'll be like 90, 95, something like that. It'll be close, but I, I. I don't think triple digits. No. Would you be, how shocked would you be if it was anyone other than those three Halliday Henderson and, and snow, if somebody else led the team in tackles? I think the only way that happens is if Darius snow doesn't fill the role that we think he does. Um, we know where Halliday and Henderson are going to be and they'll be in the same place this year. We're assuming Darius snow is the second off ball starting linebacker. Right. And right. then Brule and um, Winman are either stand up edges or package guys. Um, if Darius Snow fills that role, I would be amazed if it wasn't one of those three. I mean, they're the primary gap tacklers in that defense. Um, and it's it's not going to be a D lineman and it's not going to be a corner. Right. right. So you're, you're kind of funneling everything. Safety, it's going to be a. Angelo Gross was fourth on yeah. the team last year with with uh, 81 total tackles, so he was close to the mix. And then you had Quaveris Crouch, obviously starting line. But a, again, your free safety shouldn't be making 80 tackles. No. And <laughs> if the the pass defense is better than it was last year, that number should be closer to like 70. I will 60. say one guy <laughs> who should go up in tackles is Chester Kimbrough. He had yeah. 40 last year. He played almost exclusively on the outside rumor has it he'll be playing starting nickel this year obviously he'll be closer to the ball in the running game and should have a lot more opportunities so i'm going to take us to i'm going to take us to peyton thorn and we all know by now last season well it's it's kind of funny because i'd say we all know this by now but i feel like it's still to this day went under the radar that Peyton Thorne broke the single season touchdown record. Can I give my Peyton Thorne rant? Uh, Sure. So I I had one similar to wherever you're going with this around Peyton Thorne um, leading into a question about 2022. But not only did Peyton Thorne have the most touchdown passes in a season in MSU history, he was third most in passing yards in a season in MSU history, only 155 behind first place. He was tied for the most four touchdown pass games in a season with three. Connor Cook was the only other MSU quarterback to do that in 2015. He had the most total offense in a season in MSU history, period. And the most touchdowns responsible for in a season by five. 31 second place was a tie with 26. That 
is everything that I gathered to lead into my Peyton Thorne. This is your question, so I'll wait to throw it back <laughs> to you. But I, I think you were going with the, this. This season was underrated, and my conclusion after looking into all this is that at least statistically, Peyton Thorne probably had the best passing season in MSU history last year. Right. And it's still, I, I mean, maybe just because of Kenneth Walker, right? But it still goes under the radar a little bit. And 27 touchdown passes. That's where I'm. we're going to key in here. MSU single season record, 27 touchdown passes last season. That was third in the Big Ten. Aiden O'Connell had one more with 28. And then CJ Stroud had 44. Um, but basically, Scott, do you think that Peyton Thorne, um, I'm not going to ask if he can, because I think that's a dumb question. Do you think that he will break his own record? So more than more than 27, not tie, break his own record for uh, for touchdown passes. I feel like. We can't, I kind of pigeonholed myself with a 10 and 2 record prediction <laughs> last episode because, like, now I have to expect the offense is going to be great and the defense is going to be good. Um, this I'm stuck between, like, well, we're going to be passing more, so yes, and well, our offense overall might not be as effective, so no, right? Less like red zone chances. Um, 27 is a big number. Can I just 28 go like, is what we're looking for. Can I go for the big payout and say he's going to tie it with another That's, 27 I mean, touchdown passes? That is a much more bold statement I'm of picking exactly. Exact number, 27 <laughs> touchdown passes for Peyton Thorne this season. It's like if if you do the, um, if you ever bet soccer, they have like the, the win, loss, and draw. And you yeah. could pick, you know, it would be Peyton Thorne like over under uh 27 and a half or whatever or over under 27 i guess and you could pick over would be minus 110 under minus 110 and draw would be like plus a lot 3000 <laughs> yeah, yeah right um see i, I just think I from think... a scoring perspective it's going to be a similar season front through the air and then the linchpin will be how much can we get from the ground right well and and part of this makes me nervous so i think I think he's going to at least tie it, if not break it, because I the one thing that makes me nervous is I I just can't imagine we're going to get the amount of gimmies that we had last year in those flea flickers and the stuff like that that I don't want to say is like gimmicky, but I just don't think you're going to get as lucky with with hitting. We hit every single one of those, dude. It was <laughs> it was. Yeah the conversion rate to 60 plus yard touchdowns on flea flickers was absolutely insane. That's not going to happen again. Um, but you, you go through the game log last year, he broke the record for touchdown passes while having a, a game against Michigan with zero touchdown passes. And then one, two, three, four, five games with just one touchdown pass. So, you kind of elevate the floor a little bit with saying, all right, well, I, I have a hard time seeing a, a game this year where he doesn't have a single touchdown pass. And then you bring up a couple of those one touchdown games to two touchdown games. Just think about Michigan. You know, Kenneth Walker had five touchdowns in that game. Like, 
you could have very easily ran a little bootleg play action, easy throw to Tyler Hunt leaking out into the end zone, but we just never needed to because Kenneth Walker took them all into the end zone, right? They find a couple more of those where you're not as reliant on the explosive running game where you don't have as many 70-yard touchdown runs, so that opens the door for maybe a couple more um, passes. But again, I just wanted to bring up the Big Ten rankings last year to say like, in the grand scheme of things, that was still a really, really good season. But you know, we're not asking for elite of the elite of college football because those guys are throwing for 40, right? I'm thinking 27, 28, 29 is you know a, a very likely thing. So I I think Peyton Thorne this year could very easily break his own record. 29 touchdown passes, you know. All right. So while we're on the topic of passing records single season. My one of my questions was, will Peyton Thorne break the single season passing yardage record? So last year he had 3240 this year or not this year. He would have to have 3396. So Jeff Smoker's at 3395 back in 2003. So let's just say, does he break 3400 yards? I'll say, yeah, I I'm just starting. Maybe I'm just starting to buy into the Keon Coleman hype. Because I, I know that Jaden Reed is a stud, and I know Trey Mosley is really, really solid. And if Keon Coleman's a stud, which if you listen to, I was listening to an interview with Jaden Reed, and he basically said, whatever you as the fan base, whatever you all are thinking that Keon Coleman is going to do, elevate that. And, and that's Jaden Reed, like, putting some lofty expectations because I think Jaden Reed's not stupid. He knows that the fans love Keon Coleman. And the way the question was posed was basically, there's a lot of hype for this guy. And he's like, yeah, I know bump that. <laughs> it so it's me of uh, Kenneth Walker in the spring last year. Exactly. And the the right. dudes were like, we can't wait to, for other people to see this dude run. And we're like, Oh good. We got a good one. You know, something to look forward to, but like, no. So if that's a thing, if he's really like, you know, pushing 900 yards and eight touchdowns on top of what Jaden Reed is doing and on top of what Mosley's going to give you and on top of what Daniel Barker and Malik Cargan, I just, I don't see a world because, and I, we'll get into the running game later. I have something around that, but I just, with the, the step down in production that I'm, I feel fairly confident the running game is going to take. I can't really imagine that that the passing game isn't going to supplement that given the the skill the skill talent that we have maybe the offensive line just sucks and can't protect him but this these weapons and this quarterback it's a really good mix. Yeah, I think this offense regardless of how many games we win the offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch and Kenneth Walker was a ton of fun to watch don't get me wrong but I personally I find like dynamic passing games a little bit more entertaining than dynamic run games um I think this is going to be for me personally a really fun offense to watch um while we're talking offense you mentioned the run game a minute ago I'll wrap up my last offensive kind of thought here um I wanted to pick a running back and say like, will this guy have this many yards or will this guy lead the team in yards? Uh, I went a little bit of a different Avenue here 
I think both Berger and Broussard will be over 600 rushing yards, but neither will break a thousand. Okay. I actually, so I had that no running back would break 900 um, was the mark I said. So kind of like, cause I think neither of them breaking a thousand, I think is not really tremendously surprising, but you know, not even breaking 900 for me is kind of like even more of, like neither guy is even really going to get that close. Um, and I, I wrote that like 2018, we didn't have anybody break 900. That was Connor Hayward led the team with like 512 yards or something. Uh, 2017 LJ Scott was two yards away. So we basically got there. 2015 LJ Scott led that committee with about 700 yards. And then you got to go back to 2009. So basically since 2009, we've had like two and a half seasons with this because LJ Scott was two yards away that season. Um, so we're kind of in the same boat there, though. I, and I think Berger has gotten a bit more um, hype from the coach. Not hype, but uh, more, more positive comments from the coaching staff through camp and... I think that's going to be a pretty solid just 1A, 1B, but even even more than that, like a just a pure two-man split. And then we've talked about we have a bunch of other capable guys. Davion Prim obviously going over to corner. That's one less running back who can take some carries away, but I'm with you there. Yeah, I, I just don't see either of these guys being like a total stud, thousand-yard rusher, but I think they'll both be somewhat productive yeah i think the offensive backfield would be productive enough to keep defenses honest to quote unquote uh, establish the run game right i think it'll be enough that we can it running the ball is not just keeping the defense honest but it's actually helping move the ball down the field sometimes that said the strength i think will be through the air i think we'll be probably seeing more first down passing this season um, but yeah, it's, it's, I think this backfield's one of the more intriguing, at least early season storylines, uh, on the offensive side of the ball, right? How's, how is it going to share? How is the share going to play out and how are these two new guys going to look? And can any of the guys who have been around for a while take a, like any next step? I mean, those, those guys back yeah. there, we've been waiting for two, three years on each of them to really get better. And they've just kind of to, to their credit, they've brought the same thing all the time. They're consistent, but they just haven't necessarily taken that next step. Yeah, and and you look at, like, uh, to give the numbers a little more perspective, let, let's say 750 yards. Divide that by 12, that's 62 yards a game. If you have two different guys going for about 60 to 65 yards a game, like, that, that's still not an unproductive rushing game. It's just that you don't think that one guy is going to go for 100 yards a game or 90 yards a game or whatever. So I think we're barking up the same tree there. Um, I'm going to go over to the defense. This this one might this one might get me in some trouble. Um, but I'm thinking total defense, just yards against. We all know last year was was a nightmare. Not passing yards, just total yards against. We were, in 2021, the year of our Lord, 112th in total yards given up, 
453.3 yards against. Um, 112th last year. I think we both agree that that's going to be better, but how much better relative to the rest of the country, Scott? Are you thinking top 100, top 75, top 50, top 10? Like, what's kind of that gut feel of that number sounds about right? All right. my I have a similar question. It was around passing, which I think is the root of this question, right? I think against the run, we kind of, for the better part of 15 years, have kind of known what we're getting out of our run stopping. You know, it's it's going to be somewhere between, like, good to great and elite. Um so how well will this passing defense improve? My question to you was going to be, will we be in the top 50 of passing yards per game allowed in the country? Last year, we yeah, were so like 119th or something. Or no, you're dead last in that stat, right? So <laughs> right. That was the stat. That was um, the stat, yeah. So could we make it into the top 50? That's my so, over-under. My my prediction that was going to get me into some trouble would have to tell me yes, because I think we're going to be in the top 30 total defense. I, I just have a good feeling about this defense. That, for context, when I said top 30 originally, I was like, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'm not asking for top like elite defense, but I think we're going to be a really good defense. And I looked at the numbers. It's almost exactly 100 yards per game difference from last year. And then I was like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> but I'm I'm holding to it. I'm sticking to it because I do feel I think we're I just think we're gonna be a lot more versatile. I think we're gonna give a lot more multiple looks. And it's just you go back last year and we talked about this recently, but I was watching the Purdue game. The uh, other than Ohio State, the trademark. Oh my God, our pass defense is is atrocious, and it just you you go back and you watch these plays again and again and again. It's not a problem of talent. I really don't think it's a problem of talent. And that was a game where your starters were injured and you had to go down to to backup guys, and even them. When they were lined up and they knew their assignment, they held their own. But there were just so many plays that these guys clearly had no idea what they were doing. There were plays where Chuck Brantley lined up in cover three, and he basically played it like a cover two. I mean, he he let his receiver get past him and just kind of allowed that to happen. Like it, it wasn't like he got beat deep. It was just that he he kind of followed his receiver back about 15 yards and then let him pass and went down into the flat to cover the running back or whoever was coming out. And it was like, there's nobody over the top, dude. Like, And so Aiden O'Connell had this gimme 30-yard completion. And it's just, I, you have another year in this system. You have another whole offseason for these guys. Um, Ronald Williams was new last year. Chester Kimbrough was new last year. Chuck Brantley was new last year. Marky Lowry was new last year. Your top four corners, all of them, it was their first year in the system and with this team. So all of those guys have another year. You have safeties with another another year of experience. 
And I just think this defense is going to take a huge step forward because I don't think the problem is talent. The problem was more that they just didn't know what they were doing. And so you you up the talent in the linebacking group, you up the experience in the secondary, and 100 yards a game is a lot, I know. But then the other part of that, too, is we talked about the schedule last year. We played against a ton of teams who just chucked the ball around because our crossover games included Purdue, our non-conference included Western Kentucky, like and Miami. Our non-conference this year is MAC teams and Washington. Like it's a totally different schedule. Our crossover games are Illinois and Wisconsin instead of Purdue. Like I think the 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 yardage numbers are going to take a huge step up because the defense will be better and just by nature partly if the teams were playing. Yeah, I uh I I set this and then I struggled to know where I landed on it. I'm just going to jump on the confidence train here and say we're going to be better. I honestly what it comes down for, to for me is that I believe we have enough coaching talent on this coaching staff to figure out how to improve. And you may see like a um regression somewhere else in the defense to to compensate, but I think like net it's going to be a major improvement, right? I would take a little bit worse at stopping the run to get a lot better at stopping the pass last year, because last year, by the end of the season, teams knew if they had a certain amount of offensive talent, they were going to be able to score through the air almost at will. And thank God it snowed when Penn state came to town and everything was neutralized. Um, But by the end of Purdue and Ohio state and those losses, there was a clear playbook against us. And I'm not sure our coaching staff really had a midseason adjustment to be able to make on the spot. Um, yeah, I think we take a big step forward. I also think the pass rush is going to be better than some people expect from the outside. My last take, I'll let you ponder this one and, and chew on it a little bit, is involves who leads the team in sacks. And I think this is interesting because the interior defensive line is significantly better on paper than the ends and potentially even the rushing linebackers. Um, so I have a name. I'm going to let you go after this one first and you give me who leads the team in sacks this season. I, I think mm, I'll go with the, I'll go with the Jeff Jeff Petrovsky to do it again. You know, he he had five and a half. I shouldn't say again because he didn't lead the team in sacks last year. But Jeff Petrovsky finished last year with five and a half sacks, which was tied for second on the team. Jacob Panishuk had seven. Petrovsky and Beasley both had five and a half. You go down from there. Uh, Hanson, three and a half. Henderson, three Simeon Barrow three um and I think you know Bogle comes in with all the hype from Florida but even Bogle's less proven than than Petrovsky who's not the most proven commodity but has a little bit more on his resume and then I think I think Jacoby Winman and Aaron Brule both of them are gonna play 
a bit of a kind of stand up edge at times, a bit of maybe even putting their hand in the dirt at edge at times. But I think, uh, I think Bogle and Winman will be in positions to, to, to be in pass rush situations and to get those snaps. But at the end of the day, I think the guy who's going to be lining up pretty consistently in pass rush uh, situations and has done it at a pretty good level uh, already and is in theory only going to get better at it. Um, Jeff Petrovsky, but I don't think he's going to get more than six. That was part of my thing was uh, that we're going to have a similar season to last year with the the pass rushing that we're going to have a lot of sacks, but not like one guy with more than six or I mean last year again Panishuk led the team with seven I think this year that the team leader will be six but it'll be similar we're going to have a bunch of sacks it's just going to come from a bunch of different guys Winman's going to come off the edge Brule is going to come off the edge Bogle's going to come off the edge Petrovsky's going to come off the edge Slade and Barrow in the middle um Maverick Hansen in the middle Darius Snow Xavier Henderson on blitz packages like it's just going to be a, a little bit of spreading the love a, a lot like last year. Yeah, I also had Jeff Petrowski, and I was looking at last season's stats to kind of gauge what I thought his sack potential would be this season. And yeah, it's hard to imagine a world where we have a dominant pass rusher. Not to say we can't make an impact in the pass rush as a committee, Um, But I think it'll be hard to replicate the individual numbers we saw last year. Um, I also had Jacob Panish, or not Jacob Panish. I'm reading the stats as I'm trying to talk. Jeff Petrovsky leading the team, but I do not think he will exceed the high watermark last year from Panishuk. Um, It's kind of hard to believe we had as many sacks as we did last season with how many yards we gave up. I guess that just goes to show how many pass play calls the other team was was thrown in there right how many times they were trying to pass on us um yeah plenty of opportunity in the pass rushing group this season especially on the edges so my my last thing here is kind of uh something we've we've touched on a little bit but haven't really made any strong convictions one way or another i'm wondering what you think I'm talking national awards and I'm not talking winners because it's really difficult to say this guy's going to win an award, but I'm talking finalist. Do you think anybody on this team is going to finish as a national award finalist, whether that's um, Jaden Reed for the Bolitnikoff or, um, Jacob Slade with uh, what is it the? It's like the the Bednarik. It's like a a defensive line award. Uh, Peyton Thorne with the the Davy O'Brien or you know whatever the case may be. Cal Halliday or Darius Snow with the 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 linebacker one. I think it's the Lambert. Um, any anybody on the team that that you think can finish as an, a national award finalist. Most of, I think all of them, they take the top three. I want to say Jaden Reed because he's probably the best player on the team, but wide receiver is a really hard position to stand above the rest. And you got to be getting a lion's share of your team's 
opportunities to really be putting up the stats to win an award like that. And then especially in a, in a college football where a lot of the teams are going to throw the ball a lot more than we will. So the stats you're going to have to accumulate, you know, it's, it is difficult. Yeah. I don't think we have a running back who's going to sniff the Doak Walker. And I don't think we have a player who's going to sniff like the Heisman or Walter camp. Um, Ray guy. I Bryce mean, I Berenger? could go for that. It, he, it's due. He he deserves it. Uh, whether he'll get the attention or not is tough. I honestly, no, I don't think we're I, like, I think we have a lot of good, some great players. I'm not sure how many guys we have that are like truly nationally elite. I think Jaden Reed could be in that conversation, but this day and age in football and college football, there's a ton of talent at wide receiver, a ton. So to expect Jaden Reed to be in the top three. I mean, maybe if they had a top 10 finalists because there's yeah. so many wide receivers, I could, I could get behind that, but top three. That's what about the, I'm just looking through the actual awards. Uh, you forget about some of these. What about the Disney spirit award? <laughs> we can get somebody in there. Who would win? <laughs> Who's your pick on MSU football's nominee for the <laughs> Disney spirit award? Um, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> like not not even a single name comes up to my head. The Ray um, Guy Award has been defiled. If you follow the news, we won't get into that too deeply. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, hopefully the next representative represents Mr. Guy a little bit better. We'll Mr. Just leave Guy, it at that. Um, yeah, Frank Broyles is the the top assistant coach. If you think Jay Johnson's going to be in his bag again this year, no. Um, if anything, Scotty Hazleton has set himself up to win that, right? Uh, because he had like true. a yeah. terrible year mm-hmm. and come back, and you put in like a top ten defense, and everyone's like, "Look how good this guy is now," even though he had like a terrible year in yep. twenty twenty one. It's the same as like the NFL coach of the year. Like Bill Belichick never wins coach of the year. College football, like Nick Saban never wins, even though Nick Saban should win the college football coach of the year award every single every year. year. Uh, he doesn't because it's all about the, there's there's got to be some kind of narrative, right? He turned yeah. around this struggling defense. It's even the though he coach who, part of the reason that it struggled. <laughs> the coach who best made up for their recruiting lack of <laughs> yeah. chops. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was, I, I think our best chance is probably either Jacob Slade with, I think there's one where it's like, it's not even just alignment. It's like outstand. Here it is. So outland trophy, it's the outstanding interior lineman. But the funny thing is it's it's either offensive or defensive linemen. So it's kind of a weird award, but it is specific to the interior. So it removes the the edge rushing guys who are going to accumulate a lot of sacks, which gives him a better chance. Because you all, I mean, you know, as a defensive tackle, it's really hard to to put up those kind of numbers. So maybe that gives him a better chance there to finish as a finalist because he is that good. Um or the Ray guy, I think, is our our other great chance with Behringer. Because I'm with you there. I love Jaden Reed, but, man, there are so many great wide receivers. And beyond that, there are so many guys who maybe aren't a better receiver than Jaden Reed, but they're going to put up 1,600 yards because they play in an air raid offense and they're the number one target. And you kind of have to elevate them into 
some award contention because they had 1,600 yards. So um, tough to say, but I think Slade and Berenger are our best chances. All right, so this is the last episode before our week one preview. It's our last, it's the last episode you could argue is an off season episode. I mean, yep. we're past week zero, but MSU football hasn't started. So give me like your one paragraph monologue on how you expect <laughs> this season to go. I, I really, the more I think about it, especially after yesterday, I think it could be a little more roller coastery than. We would like. I think there's going to be a lot of close games. I just think the Big Ten is a really tough football conference, and we're playing a lot of tough teams. The schedule is difficult. And I saw somebody on Twitter. This It genuinely bothered me that it was um, some meme about basically how people are idiots because they're spewing the same like, oh, MSU is going to be a better team with a worse record. And like, come up with an original thought. And it's just like, okay, I can, because I have the same thought as a lot of other people, doesn't mean that it's not unoriginal. Like I thought of this organically. It's just that happens that a lot of people also share this opinion. Um, but I just think that's going to be the case. I don't think it's going to be as good of a record as last year. I don't think it's going to be as much. A lot of those games last year, as much as the, you remember the close games? There were a lot of just kind of cruise control wins last year. Um, and I don't think we're going to have as many of those this year. I just think the schedule is tough, but I think the whole team is going to feel better. You're going to come out of a week-to-week situation where you're thinking, we got a damn good football team. The defense is good this week. The offense is good the next week. The, they're both locked in the following week, and then the defense is great for a week, and then the offense looks great for a week. I just don't know how many times the whole package comes together, but I do think that the talent is better, the depth is better, every position almost is better than it was the last year, the last two years, the last three years. And so I think we're going to come out of this season feeling really good as Michigan State fans about the season that we just had and about the future moving forward. Uh, but I also wouldn't expect another 11-win season. Yeah, I'm stuck between the two impulses, one being to be pessimistically what I think is realistic and like uh, for same thing kind of you already said, like we have talent, but there's some pretty important holes that have opened up from last year in terms of, filling the needs of uh, what this coaching staff is trying to develop in the team. But another part of me is like last year, they, I felt that way before individual games all the time. I felt like, ah, oh, we got lucky last week, but this, you know, we got a staunch challenge this week. You know, it's, you know, it felt lucky and and this team's more fundamental. So I, I think this might be a, dis- and I would, I would temper my expectations every week down the stretch last season and it was just win 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 and they always found different ways to do it it wasn't like the same bailout that they were getting every every week some like you said sometimes it was the defense sometimes it was a lucky pass lucky special teams play whatever um they made it happen and 
we talked a few episodes ago, I think, about luck in college football and in sports in general and the fact that whether or not it really exists, right? And and the teams that get lucky, it seems to come down to a culture and a mindset and them maintaining the right kind of headspace throughout the game to keep the door open. And then those opportunities for quote unquote luck or magic come up. And when you have the right culture and the right mindset in place, you're able to take advantage of them. And it's the difference between Nebraska last season winning three games and Mel Tucker and MSU last season winning 11. Honestly, that's the difference. Like it was two ends of the same spectrum. Mel Tucker's team believed they were far better than paper showed them being, and they won 11 games because of it. If you put them on the exact opposite spectrum where they didn't believe in any of it, that could have, we could have won three games last year. I mean, if you really look at it and you're like, if this team significantly believed in themselves less, we could have been Nebraska last season. So where do we fall on that spectrum for this season? Yeah, and it's funny the the narrative that always comes out of a team that wins or loses close games. And I, our guy, Jeffrey the Greek uh, from the Eyes on Big, he, he always talks about this because he's an Iowa fan. And I, I can understand, I really can appreciate how Iowa fans have to just be mad at the national media all the time because they get so much disrespect every offseason and and basically every season too. But it's like when Iowa wins 10 games every year and six of them are single-digit games and then the media will come into every offseason and say, well, we all know that this stat, you know, it's part of it's just luck and, you know, it's it's really hard for a team to to keep winning these one score games. It's luck and it's you're going to regress to the mean and I was not going to win nine games this year. And then you know what they do that year? They win nine games and six of them are one score games because they have a culture that when it's the fourth quarter and they're down three or they're up four or whatever, they don't flinch. They don't make mistakes. They beat themselves and they win the football game. And it's just some people, some teams can do that. Some teams can't. And you can't tell me that the only reason Scott Frost keeps losing this games is bad luck. But every off season, the media will come in and say, well, they were the best three win team in football last year. Like, they were the best three-win team in college football history. Of course, luck is going to turn around on for them. And it's like, no, because they don't have a culture and a program that knows how to deal with single-score games in the fourth quarter. They have no idea how to close out football games. And it seems like last year, Mel Tucker at least laid a template that shows we might have that between from coaching staff down to the team leaders and Peyton Thorne and Kenneth Walker and Xavier Henderson on defense and and the leaders on the team and the coaching staff, they just kind of had that feel. They had that, that uh, optimism. They had that belief that when that game is close, this is our game and not worrying about, well, Oh, uh, the punter's coming on. Uh-oh, guys, we have to send out the defense. Oh, no, they're going to... No, it's like, okay, defense, you guys are out. You're going to get a stop. You're going to get us the ball back. We're going to go down the field. We're going to score, and we're going to close this thing out. 
And that's just when you don't flinch in those situations, that that's a big deal. And Mel Tucker kind of laid that template last year. So the question is, does that carry us again this year? I think like super high level offense, defense, special teams, all thrown into one basket. This team is like 5% less equipped than it was last year. That's, that's how I feel like it's, it's a, like a slight step back in like game ready ability, but it's close enough that if the, if the chips fall the right way, it could be a similar season. Um, but I think the floor is still pretty low and yeah, I think, I mean, we made our predictions, right? 10 and two. I still feel good about that. I still think like the mental aspect of this team is going to be in the right place and there's enough opportunities on the schedule to win 10 games. So there it is. The last, uh, off season podcast, as you just mentioned, Scott, we've got, uh, We've got a, a game preview coming up. We're going to have uh, a, a, maybe an extra episode this week, something a little different, something a little special. And um, yeah, if if you've got MSU friends, if you've got MSU family, we, we, we would love if you would share the podcast if you feel that strongly about it. Uh, we're, we're MSU football all year long, and we really love doing this. We have a lot of fun. So if you can share it, we would appreciate it. Uh, join the Facebook group. It's the Standing Room Spartans community. We want to have uh, a lot more fun with that this year. Last year, we kind of threw it together and didn't have any plan. Um, this year, we're going to have some more fun with that. Uh, so if you're a Facebook person, you can do that. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, my tag is just at Standing Room MSU. Scott is at Spartan Martin 18. Those links are in the bio. And again, one more plug for Run the Pool. Um, it's just our season-long picks contest. We're going to have a lot of fun with that as the season goes on. Like I said, we've got Friday episodes with the picks every week. We're going to shout out, you know, guys, ladies, if if you're in as well. Uh, people who are doing well, people who are doing really poorly, we'll shout you out as well. We'll have some fun with it. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll, if you're really killing it, we'll get you on for the guest spot on Friday to make your picks live and and give your reasoning with them. Um, we'll we'll find some different ways to incorporate th- that throughout the year. So we're right around the corner. As you, as you guys are listening, we're four days away. Uh, the first number four that comes to mind is Edwin Baker. I don't know why, but uh, I loved Edwin Baker as a running back at Michigan State. And I uh, cannot wait. I cannot wait. We're right around the corner. I, I watched real college football. That means we're so close to Michigan State. Friday night kickoff. Can't wait. Until next time. Hope everybody has a great start to the week. Go green. Go white.